Prevent Coalition welcomes you to our new podcast. We're sharing stories and strategies to help coalitions and organizations reach their full potential. Follow along at preventcoalition.org. Welcome, everyone, to episode five of the Prevent Podcast. My name's Jesse. My name's Christopher. And today, we're going to do a special episode based off of one of my favorite meeting icebreakers, which is called A Sweet and a Sour. It's kind of going to be in an interview format. We will ask each other some questions about some highs, some lows. Some of you may know of this sort of as a rose and a thorn. Sweet and sour is what we're going with today. It's one of my favorite meeting icebreakers. Back when I used to work for the Police Activities League of Southwest Washington and and run youth mentoring groups, I would use this to help youth and their new mentors get to know each other, and it's how we'd start every meeting. When I transitioned into prevention work here with the Prevent Coalition and ESD 112, I brought the same icebreaker into adult-only meetings, and I've had similar success. It helps people build connections, and really allows people to review their past week, month, year, or whatever. And so I thought it would actually be a really cool podcast episode. We're gonna go over some sweets, which are the highlights, things that went well for us this past year. Um, We're gonna go over the sours, the things that maybe didn't go so well or that were a little bit more challenging. And then something new we're adding to it um, that's not normally part of the icebreaker is that we're going to give a little bit of a glimpse forward and talk about what we're looking forward to in the coming year. We'll start out with sweets. The things that went well this year. Christopher, if you had to just pick one sweet, one highlight from the year, what would it be? I think my highlight from the year isn't necessarily like an activity or a project or an outcome. It's really more of a feeling uh, that I'm noticing with our coalition. I'm really excited this year about our level of volunteer engagement, uh, especially during a pandemic where everyone's working from home. We're all saying no to things, really looking at what our capacity is and how much we can take on. Even with all that going on, I feel like our coalition has somehow managed to just really get all these volunteers together and they're really, really passionate. And I can feel it so visibly in all of our meetings. That's like the ultimate dream of a coordinator is for your volunteers to start taking ownership. Being invested and believing in the mission, they're leading it now and they're taking initiative. Probably about once a week, I'm getting an email from one of our members saying, I'd love to introduce you to this person and have them join the network. And those emails just like make my heart so happy because it tells me that like people really care about what we're doing and they're spreading the word and they're walking the talk, so to speak. They're really doing that recruitment. It just makes me really blessed. I, we're really blessed to have that type of investment in our work. That's a really good sweet or highlight that you brought up, Christopher. 
when we're talking about specifically the rural network, I think a lot of the success can be attributed to the fact that from the very beginning, you created and empowered a leadership team in the steering committee that have really led the network to where they are today. Our leadership team really astounds me. They're so fun to work with. At all of our meetings, we just laugh. Some I don't know how we get anything done because we're constantly enjoying each other's presence. They really do bring a lot of strengths. Anytime we come to them saying, where do you think we should go next? What should our next meeting be? They always come up with the best idea that's way better than what I had in my back pocket. They really do have a good temperature of what our network needs in order to move forward. We would not be where we are today without their leadership. We go to trainings like at CADCA or, you know, different webinars, and and we're told that the heart of a coalition is the volunteers, and that in theory, a coordinator should really only be doing 20% of the work, right? And the volunteers should be doing something closer to 80% of the work. I think it's cool because I think within the rural network, you've, you've kind of accomplished that. I, I'm trying to remember back to during the holiday season at the December, January time when we were both going to be out of the office um, for a couple of weeks around the holidays. And the conflict was that was the same time as the rural network meeting was supposed to happen. We presented to the rural network steering committee and basically proposed to cancel the meeting. And they had... They didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Especially if the only reason to cancel was just that we wouldn't be there. And that is what really makes the difference. Is We would cancel a meeting if there wasn't work to do, but not if it's just because the staff can't come. If it's a true, authentic coalition, the staff shouldn't have that large of a role, and the members should be the one driving the work. So. They created the agenda, they created the PowerPoint, they facilitated. I was terrified. I didn't, you know, it's kind of scary to let your baby go, you know, for a little bit and not know what's happening, what they're talking about. But it was amazing and I'm so proud that they did that. So that is my highlight for the year, is just really seeing our volunteers step up and and do more and get excited. How about you, Jesse? What's something you're really proud of this year in particular? It's actually gonna be along the same lines as what you mentioned, Christopher, and it, it comes back to the volunteers that our coalition has, but mine's specific to some of the youth volunteers that we had. Those of you that have worked with the Prevent Coalition in the past might know that every year we host an annual Use Your Voice training um, that prepares youth in Southwest Washington and in our region um, to be able to advocate for themselves and advocate for prevention policies when they go up to Olympia for Prevention Policy Day. Um, and it's been a really successful event um, for multiple years. And it's normally in person. And we normally host it out at a, a high school in Washougal. And we feed the kids lunch and they get bussed in. It, it's great. Well, COVID obviously was going to put a damper on that and we weren't going to be able to have it in person. But since it was such a big event and such a successful event in our region, we didn't want to just completely get rid of it. So the idea came about to create a virtual use your voice training or, or a virtual version of the training. And so I was basically put in charge of coordinating that. 
We had two amazing youth, Jalen and Cayenne, that took the format of the youth advocacy training that was normally an all-day in-person training and turned it into two two-hour Zoom meetings. It was better than I could have ever imagined that it would be. They, they took the trainings and the activities and made them accessible to a virtual format. Like normally we would have like a poster making activity where the, uh, the youth would go through and, and create a poster about how a bill becomes a law. The youth leaders, they had this great idea. We would just, you know, put everybody into breakout rooms and give them all access to a Google slideshow. And so instead of a poster, they made a Google slideshow about the same process. And I was like, that makes total sense. But I would have never came up with that, right? But it was the youth minds that, that did that. And they're the ones that created that and, and came up with that. Another part of the training that we normally would do was a public speaking presentation from the Dover Youth to Youth Toolkit. And in the past, even though the training is normally youth-led, we would have adults come in and present the Dover Youth to Youth presentation. Well, the youth wanted to do it this year, which I thought was amazing. And they took that presentation and they not only adapted it to be more relevant for the work that they were specifically doing in Southwest Washington, but they also made it relevant to advocating in a virtual world and public speaking via Zoom versus just in person. And so I was just super impressed with the way that they basically took charge of the whole event, made it their own. They helped with recruiting, with the curriculum development. They did an amazing job the day of. I couldn't have asked for anything better. So that that's my highlight from the year. I love this project because every time it gets a new facilitator, we get new youth facilitators every time and they each have a different approach to it and they have a different flavor. I just loved this year's flavor. It was great to witness and cool to see. So kudos to you, Jesse, on getting them prepared and equipped and working alongside them for that project. Well, now that we've talked about some of our highlights, should we dive into some sours? Yes, and I think everybody listening would agree that there's been no shortage of sours <laughs> this year. It's It's been a wild ride. But if you had to just pick one sour, Christopher, or one challenge or struggle that you faced this year, what, what would you pick? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm going to pick the cliche choice that I'm sure everyone can relate to is just things being canceled. Specifically, our coalition... We were going to host a regional photo voice training. And photo voice is a prevention strategy that involves youth going out into their community and taking pictures of what they're seeing. What we call local conditions, they're capturing on film and presenting to the community to tell a story. That could be like a really optimistic story. It could be like, here's what we want to change story. We kind of had a two year plan. So we were going to do the training We have a youth element to our coalition called the Youth Empowerment Project. That was going to be their year-long project, was implementing a photo voice challenge. And then it would end this year with a a regional art show to show off their pictures, like an art gallery. Obviously that didn't happen, and it was a bummer because we already had a contract in place, we hired people to do it, we had the building rented, and then all of a sudden the state shut down and it was like, okay, how do we get our money back? How do we get, uh, can we get out of this contract? 
but more importantly, how do we support our youth? This was a huge event. This was a multi-day event where we literally rented out a private college mm-hmm. for youth from all over Southwest Washington to come and stay multiple nights, like in dormitories. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, this wasn't like some small feat that got canceled. This was, this was a huge major event for the region. What I learned from that challenge is it's all out of our control. We have our plan, but it has to be really flexible. This is how we intend to spend our money, but we might have to change that last minute. I think it was really a life lesson in that sense. Like, yes, you have a plan, but when things go awry, do we give up or do we pull up our bootstraps and figure out a new plan and get people excited about something different? I am so impressed with how much we got done this year, despite the fact that it was a very different experience for a typical coalition. Working in prevention, we know the importance of resiliency. Our community was so resilient. It's because of that that we turned this challenge, struggle, this sour. I think we ended up turning it into a suite. There was still the desire to have this training brought to our community. I kind of took the lead on planning what would come next, and that was making photo voice training available via Zoom. That seems to be the reoccurring theme this year is anything can be done virtually, right? Ultimately, we were able to host um, a two-day photo voice training via Zoom. What I think is the coolest part about it all was that because it was virtual, we were able to make it not only available to the youth that were going to be served from the original event here in Southwest Washington, but we were actually able to open it up and offer this training to youth around the entire state. And, And that was really cool to see. We had over 40 youth attend this training. It makes me feel good to know that even though we had to cancel the original event, the rescheduled event had an even greater reach than the first event would have had. Jesse, what was your biggest challenge that you want to talk about on the podcast today? It's funny that you mentioned when when you were talking about your sour, Christopher, that it was kind of a cliche or something that, you know, everybody would say. And I think Mine is also the same. I'm, my, my biggest challenge or struggle this year was working from home or that transitioning from everything in person to everything remote and virtual. One, I'm a very social person. Working in an office with people and having that, that connection and um, interaction on a daily basis, I thrive off of that. That's what gives me energy. That's what motivates me to do the work that we're doing. Only being able to see coworkers via Zoom and working from my bedroom um, for the first you know year of the pandemic, that was that was a really big struggle for me. But also, I had just recently gotten hired at ESD when the state shut down. So I was hired in the middle of February. And the state shut down in the middle of March. So I was here for less than a month in the office. I was still just trying to get my feet wet and figure out what my job was. And I think literally a week before the state shut down, you had just trained me on how to do monthly reporting for our grant (laughs) once. And then it was kind of like, okay, uh, I'm going to figure this out. And and not to say that I didn't have a support system um, when we worked from home. I, I definitely did. It was just so different, right? To be experiencing my first year as a coordinator be completely virtual, right? Mm -hmm. Because normally it's, everything's in person. It's 
in-person working in an office together, in-person community coalition meetings, coalition events, going and meeting with community partners for coffee and this and that. And, and that's what one of the reasons I took this job was because I was like, that totally fits my personality. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm good at. And then I was basically doing my job from a closet. Um, <laughs> right. It put a damper on things for sure. And so I was one of the actually handful of employees that got a special exception. to, And I came back into the office, obviously fully masked. And there was only like five of us in this entire huge building. But that helped me to kind of gain traction again and refocus, even though the building was empty, just to have somewhere to leave, like leave my house and come into the building. And that that actually really helped. Now I can work from home. I've adapted. I've, I've gotten used to it. I think it all comes back down to resiliency, right? We encounter struggles, we're resilient and we overcome them and we turn sours into sweets. This is one of the moments where I just sort of beam because we're so different. And like, (laughs) I love working from home. I'm so much more effective there. Working from home has been such a gift. Thinking back now, I remember in, you know, the first few staff meetings that we had after they sent us home, asking everybody, you know, how are you doing? And I was like, what (laughs) what did I get myself into? I, you know, I can't talk to anybody. I, I need people. And then I remember you were like, this is great. I mean, I don't know why we didn't start this earlier. I think that's why we make such a good team is because we we have different strengths and and we excel in different areas. The sweet part of this challenge, though, is like now that we're over that initial adapting and we've learned how capable we are of adapting, if we're in this together, we really can get through anything. So we've talked about sweets and we've talked about sours, but now I think we should focus our attention to the future. What are you most looking forward to in the next year? This is gonna be a big year. We were given a two-year grant, and technically we finished our two years. So we have a whole new grant now, and you get a new action plan and a new outline and a timeline. We're growing. This year, the steering committee, when we talked about our action plan, we added stuff to it. And we're doing more because we have more capacity and more interest. We're constantly trying to outdo ourselves. We set our own level of success, and I'm always trying to do better than we did last year. And I look at last year and I'm like, how are we gonna top that? But I know we will, and I'm really excited to see it. There was a lot of things that we had to do for the grant. It was required, and so we just did our best. We made it happen. And this year, we have a lot more flexible of a timeline. They came up with all these ideas. They're wanting to try new things. They're, they're coming up with ways to get our goals done that are innovative and creative. And so I'm excited just to be able to say yes to that stuff now. It is a little bit scary as a coordinator anytime your action plan grows because it's like we want to be careful about how much stuff we take on. But I do think we're in a really amazing spot to be able to say yes right now and keep growing and doing more and adding committees and adding projects because... That just is a really good vital sign of our coalition that it's going well and they want to do more. So I'm excited just to be able to witness that and to see it happen. How about you, Jesse? What are you looking forward to this year? Well, I'm going to go with the cliche answer again. (laughs) I am looking forward to being back in the office. 
ESD 112 is opening up slowly but surely. And so we're back to a hybrid model. But just looking back to the couple of weeks that we've been back in the office, at least part time, the things that you miss, right? Like sitting around a cubicle laughing about anything or just having that human connection, which I talked about missing previously, right? When we got sent home. Or the fact that, you know, when we're working from home 100% of the time, I'm working with the people in our department. But ESD is is huge. Being able to see, you know, friends and colleagues from other departments walking down the hallway, right? And being able to have a conversation with them was nice to be able to do again. Because norm if I wanted to do that from home, I'd have to schedule a meeting with them or, or call them out of the blue. And it, it just... It would be different and it, it wouldn't feel as natural but but being back in the office and having that connection with coworkers and colleagues is nice and i'm also really looking forward to being able to start having in-person coalition meetings or going and having coffee with a community partner those types of things are what really excites me i'm really really excited even though it's an entire year away i just found out recently that we're going to be attending um, the National Tobacco Conference in New Orleans, Louisiana. And it's not even until next June. So it's literally like an entire year away. But the fact that there's an in-person conference, like there's travel on the schedule, that excites me. We're, we're getting back to at least a sense of what things used to be like. I remember the first day back, we all sort of came back with like distancing and all this stuff, but it was the one day that everyone was coming back to ESD together. I we I just deleted everything from my calendar that day. I was like, my only goal is just to be in company with people, and I knew it would be a lot of celebration. Well, connection is the best prevention. That's our coalition motto, and, and that's something that you hear a lot working in in prevention, and, and it's true. It's good to be on the track to being back anyway. It felt so weird. I was scheduling a meeting. I made it a Zoom meeting, and then I realized, like, I created the Zoom link and all of that stuff, and then I realized, I was like, wait, this is an in-person meeting. I don't need a Zoom link for this meeting. But it's just out of habit when I said schedule a meeting, put it on the calendar, I immediately included a Zoom link with it. I don't need to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a nice relief. As with all things, it's two steps forwards, one step back. Is that how the phrase goes? I don't know. It's something like that. (laughs) One step forward, two steps back. Okay, there we go. (laughs) But then you're just walking backwards. That's the whole point of the phrase. What? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you, everybody, for for tuning in to this uh, special episode of us reviewing our sweets and sours of the year and giving a little bit of insight into what we're looking forward to in the future. This has been really good, I think, for us as coordinators in terms of just reviewing what we went through throughout the year and looking back to what went well, what didn't go so well, what we're looking forward to, I think is is just really good in terms of um, transitioning from one year, one fiscal year to the next. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.